Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 96, recorded here on December 24th, 2023, Christmas Eve. So if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. Uh, This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. Well, we'll start with the market update. U.S. stocks on Friday ended largely higher, with market participants looking ahead to the long Christmas holiday weekend. Wall Street extended its astonishing bull run to eight straight weeks. Sentiment this week has been boosted by favorable economic data, capped by the Federal Reserve's favorite inflation gauge coming in less than expected. The November core personal consumption expenditures price index rose by just 0.1% from October and was up 3.2% from a year ago. Those marks are low enough to support the narrative that inflation is in a downward trajectory and the Federal Reserve will lower benchmark interest rates in 2024. For the week, the Dow rose 0.22%, the S&P gained 0.75%, and the NASDAQ climbed 1.21%. Jumping into Bitcoin news, first articles from Bitcoin.com. And this was posted yesterday. Articles entitled BlackRock Reveals Plan to Seed Spot Bitcoin ETF with $10 million on January 3rd. BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, has filed an amendment to its registration statement, S1, for a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission on Friday. The firm disclosed that it plans to seed iShares Bitcoin Trust with $10 million on January 3rd, 2024. The amendment details that the seed capital investor and affiliate of the trust sponsor purchased seed shares worth $100,000 for the spot Bitcoin ETF on October 27th, subject to conditions. The filing also outlines the redemption of seed shares for cash and the purchase of seed creation baskets worth $10 million by the seed capital investor on January 3rd, 2024. Bloomberg analyst James Seifert remarked on social media platform X Friday that BlackRock has submitted an updated amended S1 form following discussions with the SEC the day before regarding its spot Bitcoin ETF filing. The analyst wrote, looking like BlackRock is planning to make moves on January 3rd, they're seeding the ETF with $10 million. He further speculates that it could mean that BlackRock is expecting to launch its spot Bitcoin ETF shortly after. Once launched, the iShares Bitcoin Trust will trade under tricker, ticker IBIT. Another Bloomberg analyst, Eric Balkunas, commented on X that BlackRock expecting to seed its spot Bitcoin ETF with $10 million on January 3rd is a pretty big bump up from the 100k the asset manager seeded in October. Balhunas also highlighted that the SEC wants authorized participants named in the filers upcoming S1 updates giving them 10 days to submit. The analyst speculates that the securities regulator aims to approve applicants who have included the AP agreement in their amended filings and have adopted the cash creation model. He stated on X this is no easy last step and may keep some from start, from starting gate. AP agreement plus cash creates equals approval. 
BlackRock has held meetings with the SEC more times than other spot Bitcoin ETF applicants over the past month. The asset manager met with the SEC on November 20th, November 28th, December 11th, December 14th, December 19th, and December 21st. BlackRock also filed three amendments to its spot Bitcoin ETF filing in December. The world's largest asset manager initially sought approval from the securities regulator for the use of an in-kind method. Failing to persuade the SEC with a revised in-kind model, BlackRock opted to embrace the cash model for its spot Bitcoin ETF. The deadline for the first spot Bitcoin ETF approval is January 10th, and some anticipate the SEC approving multiple spot Bitcoin ETFs by that date, including Galaxy Digital CEO Mike Novogratz. And like we've talked about before, um, you don't really want to own a spot Bitcoin ETF because you don't really own Bitcoin. You just have a claim on Bitcoin. So the best way to own Bitcoin is in self-custody. Um, is the spot Bitcoin ETF good for Bitcoin? Who knows? I mean, probably because it's going to drive, I think it's going to drive a lot of uh institutional investors that wouldn't otherwise be able to have exposure into it, uh, which will raise the price, which will increase visibility to people, which will cause people to hopefully learn more. So the big challenge is for people to understand the right way to own it, and um, which is self-custody. And um, it's it's really not, not a trade. It's a, it's a long-term basically savings um so i i think it's good um but of course you know there was a counterpoint made by um um someone that i follow that said that uh if all the bitcoin gets bought up and it's just held in these trusts and it can't circulate um that's a problem for the ecosystem because uh, really the security of Bitcoin mining and all that requires flow. Um, but I think there's the majority of the Bitcoin right now is held privately in, in hodlers hands. And I think as long as uh, that's the case um, and uh, Bitcoin doesn't just sit in uh, BlackRock or whoever's, uh, cold storage and, and not move, if there's no movement of Bitcoin, um, I don't think that's going to happen. Because what you're going to have is another market cycle, you know, people are going to buy, 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 price is going to go up, it's going to hit a blow off top somewhere, it's going to crash, people are going to sell, sell, sell. So every time that happens, that's going to cause, you know, the market to recycle coins. Uh, and they're going to go from the weak hands to the strong hands. And so maybe that that concern is a little bit overblown. But uh, sounds like it's happening. Next up is from Bitcoin Magazine. This was posted on December 22nd. Articles entitled Ocean Adds Block Template Selection Option. Ocean Mining has released an update to their pool software, allowing miners to individually choose between a set of different block templates to mine on. Miners can choose between these three templates at this time. The default Ocean Knots template, which filters out any inscription transaction, as well as places an additional op return limitation of a maximum of 42 bytes on transactions using op return. 
Bitcoin Core patched with the Ordi Ordi or disrespector update filtering out inscription transactions and the default Bitcoin Core template, which implements no additional transaction filters at all. This new option <clears throat> is a stepping stone towards their ultimate goal of enabling Stratum V2 in order to allow any mining miner using the pool to construct whatever block template they wish to while mining with the pool. There is a catch, however, for any miners utilizing either the default knots template or the Bitcoin Core plus or disrespector patch, Ocean will continue honoring the promotional uh, fee rate from launch of 0%. However, for any miners choosing to utilize the default Bitcoin Core template, a 2% pool fee will be attached to their contributions to the pool. Ocean's decision to implement transaction filtering was not a popular choice, as evidenced by the large backlash after their delayed announcement of this policy after officially launching the pool. This new template selection option is a reaction to this backlash, but it is not them turning around and abandoning their position that inscriptions and other classes of transactions are harmful to the Bitcoin network. They are applying the 2% fee to core created templates to function as a disincentive for their users to select that template, which in their view creates a negative impact for the network at large. Ultimately, what will come of this is up to Ocean's users. The economically rational thing to do is for everyone mining with Ocean to select the Bitcoin core default template, as that is going to be the template that produces the maximum amount of revenue generated from block production. However, on the other hand, the 2% fee applied to that template and not the others has to be taken into account. If the fee charged by Ocean for using core templates is greater than the difference in profitability between the core template and other templates, then the answer of which one is more economically profitable is not so cut and dry. In the end, though, the miners themselves will be the ultimate decision makers according to their economic and ideological incentives, which is what Ocean ultimately set out to do put the decision-making back in the hands of miners themselves. And I actually listened to a fairly uh, good uh, discussion of this um, on the Bitcoin Fundamentals podcast, too, which I would recommend uh, that you listen to uh, for, for more on kind of what their thought process is behind uh, and why they believe ordinals and all that stuff is, is spam and why... Um, it's not necessarily, uh, oh, just let the free market decide. Those guys are going to go broke because, um, and I get this, if the people that are promoting uh, the spam, which is the uh, tokens, the shit coins, are VCs, and VCs are next to the money printer and, the, and you know, the, the dollar's declining, but it's going to still be around. The money printing is going to continue for some time. They essentially have an unlimited amount of cash uh, with which they can uh, use to overpay for, for block space. So, uh, you know, I get that. So, you know, on the one hand, I think the free market, you know, is, is important. But on the other hand, um, you know, uh, it is important to, for the Bitcoin network to, to, um, primarily handle financial transactions and not, you know, garbage. Um, it's a tough one. But I do like the idea of having the people that actually own the mining rigs decide what 
it, you know, is going to be included in a block or not. Cause ultimately that's, that's more free market than having one uh, or a small group of centralized pools as we have today, uh, just sweeping everything in. Uh, but then of course they can get pressured to filter, you know, uh, OFAC non-compliance and other stuff too. So, you know, censorship is a slippery slope, uh, especially when it comes to mining. So not a simple um, concept or a simple problem to solve for sure. Uh, next up is from Decrypt. This was posted on December 22nd. Articles entitled Satoshi, not Satoshi. Craig Wright, UK case inches further forward. A UK judge has ordered Craig Wright, the self-proclaimed Bitcoin inventor, to prove that he is the nearly mythical and pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto, according to a pretrial review order issued on Wednesday. The ruling, which includes other stipulations, stems from the court case Wright, Wright International and others versus Bitcoin Core and others. The Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is supporting claimants in the lawsuit against Wright. One of the claimants in the lawsuit is the Crypto Open Patent Alliance an industry body representing various companies developing the Bitcoin blockchain. Last year, Block CEO Jack Dorsey announced the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund support developers targeted for lawsuits by Craig Wright's Tulip Trust Limited. The Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund is a non-profit entity that aims to minimize legal headaches that discourage software developers from actively developing Bitcoin and related projects such as the Lightning Network, Bitcoin privacy protocols, and the like, Dorsey said in a statement. Earlier this year, the Bitcoin Legal Defense Fund backed 13 Bitcoin developers in two cases launched by Wright over the alleged theft of 111,000 Bitcoins that Wright claimed to own. The forthcoming trial consists of the main trial in the COPA claim and the trial of a preliminary issue in the BTC core claim, wrote High Court Judge James Mellor. For that reason, it has been referred to as the joint trial. It concerns the identity issue, namely whether Dr. Craig Wright is the pseudonymous Satoshi Nakamoto, i.e. the person who created Bitcoin in 2009. The court's decision said Wright must provide printed proof of 95 documents dating back to 2007 that attorneys for Wright said were stored on a recently found Samsung USB drive that would prove he is the Bitcoin creator Nakamoto. By 4 p.m. on 18 January 2024, Dr. Wright and, and COPA shall exchange and shall serve on the developer defendants expert reports on forensic document analysis in respect of the additional documents, the Samsung drive and the BDO drive and the uh, latex software, Miller said. The problem with Wright's claim, COPA asserts, is that the drives were purchased in 2015 or 2016 and couldn't have been used when Wright's claim said they were. Along with the order to provide proof of the claim of being Nakamoto, the judge ordered Wright to pay an additional $992,000 to the Crypto Open Patent Alliance, Bitcoin developers, and companies named in the case against him. I propose that the developers should have total security for their participation in the joint trial in the sum of 900,000 pounds. Miller said they already have 100,000 pounds of that total, so I order the provision of further security for the cost of the developers in the sum of 800,000 pounds. The trial was scheduled to begin January 15, 2024, but the ruling 
has pushed the start date back at least a year to give Wright's legal team time to prepare. Since 2016, the controversial Australian <clears throat> computer scientist has launched several lawsuits, including <clears throat> accusing sites posting the Bitcoin white paper of copyright infringement based on his claim to be Nakamoto. Last year, Wright lost a lawsuit in Norway against Magnus Hovelnot Granath, whom Wright sued after Granath publicly challenged his claim of being Satoshi. I have been too angry for too long as I cared for ex external validation, Wright said on Twitter at the time. The only validation I seek now is from my family and not seeing my ideas come to fruition and to be used by the world. Not everyone wants what I have to offer. Yeah, he's, he's not Satoshi. If he was, he would have moved the coins by now. Uh, next article is from The Block. This was uh, posted on December 23rd. Coinbase fires back at Senator Elizabeth Warren. Accusations simply wrong. Coinbase has published a response to Senator Elizabeth Warren's letter accusing the company, among others, of resisting regulation by hiring former government and law enforcement officials in a revolving door system. In its response, Coinbase slammed Warren's accusations as a willful misrepresentation of our intentions and efforts, claiming the hires represent the finest talent at every level and that Coinbase supports responsible regulation and legislation in the cryptocurrency space. In the letter posted by <clears throat> Chief Policy Officer Faryar Shirzad, Coinbase also praises its Global Advisory Council, which provides us with critical strategic insight and advice. <clears throat> the council was specifically called out by Warren in her letter as it initially included several former elected officials, including Senator Patrick Toomey, Representative Tim Ryan, and Representative Sean Patrick Maloney. Coinbase's letter warned Warren about the potential effects of driving crypto legislation offshore, comparing it to semiconductor and mobile phone technology, perhaps referring to China's lead in the worldwide 5G race. Finally, the letter invited Warren to a comprehensive briefing on our commitment to combating terrorist financing. Senator Warren's office could not be immediately reached for comment. Hmm. All right. Next up, this is from Bitcoin.com. This was posted yesterday. Uh, articles entitled Nigerian Central Bank Lifts February 2021 Crypto Prohibition Order. Uh, on December 22nd, the Central Bank of Nigeria announced that it had rescinded an order that prohibited banks from servicing the crypto industry. In its newly issued guidelines on the operation of bank accounts for virtual asset service providers, or VASPs, the central bank stated that the order also supersedes the January 12, 2017 prohibition. As previously reported by Bitcoin.com News, the CBN's February 5, 2021 pro prohibition order specifically requested that Nigerian financial institutions exclude crypto entities from the banking ecosystem. Under then-Governor Godwin uh, MFLA, the, General the Central Bank actively enforced the order and this resulted in many bank accounts linked to crypto being closed. However, in the circular which explains the rationale for abandoning the prohibition order, the CBN said the decision aligns Nigeria's regulations with global trends. The circular also cites the Financial Action Task Force, or FATF's updated Recommendation 15 as one of the reasons for the central bank's changed stance. 
Current global trends have shown that there is a need to regulate the activities of virtual asset service providers, which include cryptocurrencies and crypto assets. Following this development, the Financial Action Task Force in 2018 updated its Recommendation 15 to require VASPs to be regulated to prevent the misuse of virtual assets for money laundering, etc. The central bank added that a section of the country's money laundering laws now recognizes VASPs as part of the definition of a financial institution, while the rules issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission provide a regulatory framework for their operations. Nonetheless, in its circular sent to banks and other financial institutions, the CBN said these entities are still barred from either holding, trading, or transacting in virtual currency on their own account. The central bank added it expects immediate compliance with the new guidelines. And then in another article, this is from Forbes, uh, they kind of went into a little bit more detail on this and what it means. Uh, this article was posted on December 23rd. Big news, forget the spotted Bitcoin ETF, a huge unexpected bank flip could be about to hit the price of Bitcoin, Ethereum, XRP, Solana, and crypto. Bitcoin and crypto prices have soared this year, pushed higher by expectations of major changes in 2024. The Bitcoin price has come within touching distance of 45000 per Bitcoin in recent weeks, boosting other major cryptocurrencies such as Ethereum, XRP, and Solana. As hype around a potential block Bitcoin exchange-traded fund sparked by Wall Street giant BlackRock reaches a fever pitch <clears throat> with a big update revealed this week. Now, as China was revealed to have quietly flipped on crypto, Nigeria, the country with the highest rate of Bitcoin and adoption after India, has suddenly lifted restrictions on banks handling crypto transactions. Uh, current trends globally have shown that there is a need to regulate the activities of virtual asset service providers, which include cryptocurrencies and crypto assets, according to the Central Bank of Nigeria. Uh, according to local reports, reversing a 2021 ban that prevented commercial banks from offering services to crypto exchanges in the country. However, banks are still prohibited from holding, trading, or conducting transactions in cryptocurrency using their own accounts. This is big news, Jeremy Allaire and chief executive of stablecoin company Circle posted to X. Despite the 2021 Bitcoin and crypto exchange bank ban, Crypto use has risen sharply in Nigeria, putting the country just behind India as the world's biggest adopter of the technology. Nigeria's volume of crypto transactions grew 9% year-over-year to $56.7 billion between July 2022 and June 2023, according to a September report by Blockchain Sluice at Chainalysis. Interest in Bitcoin and crypto in Nigeria has exploded as the country Africa's largest economy wrestles with a rapidly collapsing currency and soaring inflation. People are constantly looking for opportunities to hedge against the devaluation of the Naira and the persistent economic decline since COVID. Moyo Sodipo, co-founder of Nigeria-based cryptocurrency exchange Busha, told Reuters. So, big news, I guess, with that. And last we have from Crypto Potato, uh, this was updated on December 23rd, articles entitled Bitcoin Staying Power, Bitcoin Declared Dead Only Seven Times in 2023. Um, 
Bitcoin has many skeptics as a result of its extraordinarily novel design and purpose. They weren't so certain in 2023, however, that the project would ultimately fail. Rumors of Bitcoin's demise declined markedly. 99 Bitcoins, an educational website, has kept a list of Bitcoin obituaries since 2010. This year, the project has only tracked seven articles predicting the currency's imminent demise. The first obituary, written when Bitcoin price was 23 cents, said, Either it will remain a novelty forever, or it will transition from novelty status to dead faster than you can blink. By the time Bitcoin price rallied its way to 20,000 December 2017, the cryptocurrency gained so many critics as well as supporters that 99 Bitcoins tracked 124 obits that year and 93 during the crypto winter of the following year. There were 27 Bitcoin obits last year, so 7 is low unseen since 2012. Among this year's obituary writers were early Facebook investor Chamath Palapitia and J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon. Palapitia said crypto is dead in America on his all-in podcast. Dimon said Bitcoin is a hyped-up fraud on CNBC's Squawk Box. Meanwhile, Bitcoin is on the verge of being approved by U.S. regulators as the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, at the Securities and Exchange Commission for an ETF product, the development has breathed new life into crypto markets and shows that U.S. courts and regulators do not regard Bitcoin as a fraud. CASA CTO and co-founder Jameson Lopp made a nice graph of the Bitcoin obituaries bubble, which peaked in 2017. Bitcoin appears poised to long outlive the Bitcoin obituary as an active genre of journalism. One Bitcoin trader predicted, in two to three more cycles, each one is four years, there will be no Bitcoin obituaries. At that time, saying Bitcoin is going to die will be as silly as saying air is going to fail. Okay, and I would like to highlight this week's featured Substack post. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes, and I will put links to all these articles in the show notes as well. Um, Substack's entitled... The fragility of Bitcoin, potential challenges and resilience. There are no certainties, only probabilities. I thought it would be nice to write an article that sort of challenges uh, Bitcoin's continued success um, and talk about some key uh, potential pitfalls. And, um, you know, just don't assume that Bitcoin's inevitable, basically kind of an article. So do check it out. Uh, and with that, that wraps us up. So, uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like, and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. So you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack again at uh, bitcoinfortress.substack.com. You can follow me on Noster. I'm not anywhere else. Uh, and then, uh, also, uh, if you're listening to your podcast on Fountain, um, you can earn sats just for listening. Probably won't do a podcast next week because of New Year's, so I'll probably take a take a break uh, and see you all in the new year. Once again, Merry Christmas and have a happy new year. Talk to you all next week. Actually, in two weeks. Bye-bye.